0: Welcome to the only one business show with me your host james nathan chatting to some of the uk's leading business professionals sharing tips insights and advice on how to create amazing customer experiences whilst building bigger better and more profitable businesses as a result what can you do in your business today and in the years to come to truly delight your clients what exceptional experiences can you give them to take away and cherish How can you delight the most important person in the world? Satisfaction makes you one of many. Delighting clients makes you the only one. And you can't be just one. You have to be the only one. Hello and welcome to the Only One Business Show with me, your host, James Nathan. And today I've got a fabulous guest for you. He is Google's go-to person when it comes to business growth and business development. He currently runs coaching and training programs in six countries under the Guider, which is Grow Your Own Digital Agency initiative. Clients include Barclays, Nando's, Google, and the Ritz-Carlton. A prolific author with 11 titles to his name, including Customer is King, Grow Your Service Firm, Grow Your Digital Agency... The legendary Dennis Yu, ex Yahoo, says this man is the best at growing your agency. That's a hell of an accolade. But even further, Richard Branson wrote, what he says, your whole business hinges on what your customer gets from you. I wholeheartedly agree with. Please welcome Robert Craven. Robert, hi, how are you?
1: I'm absolutely fantastic. And it's great to be a guest on the show.
0: Well, it's lovely to have you. I know you're a super busy man. You're telling me you've been traveling a huge amount recently. Where, where have you just come back from?
1: Uh, I came back this morning or last night uh, from Madrid from a brilliant conference for the hotel hospitality in- industry we had. It was amazing. There was uh, Ritz Carlton, there was Hilton there, Airbnb, Booking.com, and then there were also the, the pay platforms. So it was a uh, a remarkable conference about about hospitality customer service.
0: Sounds like a fantastic thing. Right up my street. I love talking about hospitalities. I know you do. Ritz Carlton are incredible business. What what are they doing at the moment that's different?
1: Well, I, I mean I think the the whole the whole Ritz Carlton story about how they present themselves and this thing around you know, ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen, mm-hmm. they make they make themselves different because they yeah we, we can talk about the rubbish that's called purpose and simon cynic stuff later on because i do believe that's rubbish right slightly controversial but but what what they do at, at ritz carlton is they actually see things from the customer's point of view so they actually have this this notion that you need to uh you know predict or or uh pre pre know or what, what the client actually wants before even the client wants to know it. So, for example, if, if a member of staff sees someone walking towards a swimming pool, they've got no towel with them, they will go, ah, no towel. I'll go and get them a towel. Uh, they have this lovely set of rules and values, including things like everyone's able to, every member of staff is able to offer up to, I think it's $150, dollars dispensation to a client. So if a customer has a customer complaint, normally you go to your chambermaid Oh, well, I had a bad meal last night. And she says, oh, you need to go and talk to the restaurant. So you go to the restaurant. I say, I don't like to be rude, but I had a bad meal last night. I had a funny meal. And the restaurant manager says, well, that's the evening restaurant manager. So you say, okay, who do I need to talk to? Well, talk to the restaurant manager tonight. So you go back that night and say, I don't like to be rude, but last night I had a bad meal. And the restaurant manager says, well, actually, I'm, I wasn't on duty with the other restaurant manager. Can you come back to me? Now, all that happens as a customer is you get more and more angry about the whole thing. Whereas the Ritz-Carlton way is that chambermaid, the first point of contact can say, ah, mm-hmm. oh, I'm really sorry to hear that. We'll find out what the problem was, obviously. But in the meantime, here's $150 dispensation. And it just takes all that angst and frustration of starting to feel like you're in the wrong because mm-hmm. you're complaining. You're not complaining. You're just pointing out that you've got poor service. But so often uh, other companies fail to take on board feedback. They fail to respond. And I love uh, the way that Rich Carlton he starts with the customer and what the customer wants and the customer experience. I love that they put in obsessive systems and processes, meeting every day with every mm-hmm. member of staff. Uh, in in little groups and huddles so they know what's happening today, what happened yesterday, what they need to be aware of. I love the fact that they have value. I mean, my my work with Ritz Carton was in in Jamaica. Now, Jamaica is known for poor customer service. And yet Mm -hmm. there they were able, because, hire for the smile, because of the systems and processes, because of the drip, drip feed of of, uh, communicating to every member of staff what's important, they're able to deliver I'm going to use the word I hate, awesome service.
0: There's a lovely story in Holt Schultz's new book, which has only been out a little while, um, of of hiring people in Jamaica and talking about that kind of pre- or oh, expectation that service is rubbish there um, and, uh, and how those people changed um, because they worked in that environment, how they dressed, how they held themselves, what they did next. And I... I think it's just wonderful. Um, There's so many great stories from it. And that that, um, ability to just make decisions, that empowerment that they give um, makes such a difference. It takes the friction out of everything. Um, and, you know, your example there is really simple, but it must happen dozens and dozens of times in businesses where suddenly you're shot off. It reminds me of uh, a story, actually. I've got two two stories of visiting China before, um, while Mandy was, the la- last time we could travel where Mandy was pregnant with my, our first boy, Ben. Um, and, well, I only got one boy, but with Ben. Um, and uh, she was pregnant, so obviously she was very worried about what she ate. And in China, it was more difficult with the language differences. Um, Ritz-Carlton was, we stayed in Shanghai, was seamless. It was absolutely amazing to the point where if someone was smoking nearby, a member of staff would just come over and whisk Mandy away and put her somewhere there wasn't any cigarette smoke. Lovely little touches. Um, to the Grand Hyatt um, in Xi'an where they fed us, well, one of the meals was pork and when we cut into the, a piece of it, it was half cooked. So with a very worried and pregnant wife um, I said to the waiter, "Look, this isn't cooked, and Mandy's pregnant. We're very worried about it." Uh, and their response was, uh, "We'll take that section of the meal off your bill." Yeah. Um, to which I said, "Don't be ridiculous! You've just re- totally ruined our whole evening." Um, we ended up in a almost in a conference with the general manager and somebody else, explaining to us that they they felt that that was a sensible response to the problem. When I was saying to them, "Actually, I don't want to pay for any of it now."
1: Yeah, it's it's confusing. It's, it's it's confusing effectiveness and efficiency. So they were they were efficiency. They were following their rules. And the really the really bonkers thing about about that story, uh, is that it. They didn't they didn't save, if the main course was twenty pounds and the whole meal was fifty pounds, mm-hmm. they didn't save themselves thirty pounds by by. You know by arguing about, about the money or even giving you the 20 pounds. The fact is, you go and tell 10 people, you don't stay there again. Uh, the, the, the example I always get is, give is, I um, it's a kind of a flip side story, really. I, I do a lot of work at Warwick Business School, mm-hmm. they've got a management training center there. I maybe four times a year I'll take 100 people there for two days. Yeah, that's 150 300 pounds a person, that's 300 people times 100 times four so you can do the math how much that's Mm -hmm. worth to them why do i keep going back there well i have a bit of a soft spot for a wine called barolo Mm -hmm. um it costs about 15 quid a bottle and whenever i go to warwick business school i'm there the day before a conference i'm running uh alan the um you know the general manager there, would just come up and uh, put down two glasses of wine and a bottle of barolo for me and that's enough. Ironically, because it's a it's a reverse thing. That mm-hmm. fifteen pound spend means that four times a year, a hundred people times three hundred spend time there because they they just remembered that detail about me, um, and it makes me feel good. And you know, call me naive, uh, mm-hmm. but I'm not a number. I'm a person. And if people can remember me, I'll, I'll I'll respond to that. So yeah, I think there are there are so many examples of of. Where service can, can nudge you into staying as a very, very loyal customer. Very, very simple. It doesn't have to be massive. And mm-hmm. where also, by being mean over 20 quid, in the case of the Hyatt you're talking about, that's it. You won't go back again. I yeah. mean, it's. it's, it's uh, and I had an experience uh, with a large hotel in Brighton that I will not return to ever, ever, ever again. <laughs>
0: And that's it, and it's done. And if someone stays in Brighton and they say, where shall I stay, Rob? I know you go there a lot. You'll say, for whatever you do, don't stay at this place. Absolutely. Um, You know, yeah, but uh, I think there is, when you mention the Barolo, I just start to smile. I think, perfect, because that's how it should be. You know your client, you look after them, you understand them, you do little things that make a difference. And it's only a little thing, but that's where the difference happens.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and and I think we we there are all these lovely sort of apocryphal stories i mean one of my i guess one of my challenges in a way is uh I wrote uh the book Customer of King way back in i think two thousand and two mm-hmm. uh and then we we revisited it virgin got me to revisit the book in about two thousand and fourteen two thousand and fifteen so what do you want to change now uh we actually changed virtually virtually none of it. The, right. the 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 funny bit is is that the piece on it where it talks about uh, websites and in the original book it's like so should you invest in your website and the question mm. hmm, you should think about investing in your website <laughs> well ironically yeah there's been an entire generation of work has taken place so actually that question is is still valid because maybe the website isn't the best best investment in your time maybe it should be a Facebook page or it should right. be a Facebook right. blog class or it should but 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 the disappointing thing for me was 2002 through to 2014 through to now. Not a great deal's changed. There are the same blinking um, case studies are dragged up right. year on year. You know the the one about Sainsbury's and the bread, the one about Ritz Carlton and the uh, the the, um, the kids. Uh, toy which got left behind uh these stories are kind of i mean they're almost apocryphal mm-hmm. but 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 in many ways this is this is kind of 101 stuff so the, the 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 interesting thing is 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 what's changed and the answer is everything's changed but nothing's changed so customers want it quicker faster now they want mm-hmm. experience they want they want uh they want they want it in front of them they mm-hmm. want it frictionless mm-hmm. so we have this new normal i mean there is a new normal for there's no two ways about it where everything is far more customer centric it's far more diy for the customer um yeah. but i think the big the big the big difference uh is is that the, the conversations take place uh there's a breakdown where uh, Fifteen years ago, the brands kind of thought they were in control of the conversation, and that's demonstrated mm-hmm. by what we've been talking about. They're not. Yeah. Uh, let me give you let me give you an example. Uh, we worked with uh, yeah. a well-known uh, Japanese four by four manufacturer, um, and six years ago, they had five point two visits to the dealership before someone bought the car. Right. So you go along check the doors, sit in the seat, smell the leather, ask about the colour, go back again, take your partner with you, maybe take the kids, check out the size, go back again, do another test drive, mm-hmm. go back again. On average, 5.2 times people would have to visit the dealership before they bought the car. Right. Five years later, on average, people visit the dealership 1.1 time, And that is because all that so-called research, all that... Um, understanding looking at testimonials looking at reviews is all done online yeah and that that happens the whole way through so whether it be a, a hotel or a restaurant um you can see the reviews you can see the menu you can see photos you can see what people like me do people like me go there and what do people like me say about it yeah and 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 whether it's tripadvisor or trivago or the equivalent for whatever industry you're in Um, there's been this shift from uh, uh, Google call it the uh, first moment of of truth, okay? So in the old days, you didn't know what it was like until you got there, until you actually bought it, and then that was the first moment of truth when you knew whether you liked it or not. And There's been a fundamental shift to what they call the zero moment of truth, or ZMOT, Mm -hmm. which is even before you've bought it, you know pretty much what you're going to get so so how people buy think about how you buy stuff now think about the last 10 things you bought mm-hmm. You kind of most of the time it's not do i don't i do i don't I. you know what you're going to buy and all and all they've got to do is put up the shopping cart and make it easier for you to click
0: uh, absolutely and I, i'm thinking back to where you talk about the the car purchasing thing and it's um you know, I, I, I'm one of those people that loves to research. I love to read everything I can and find every review and drive my my wife crazy telling her about it till she says, for God's sake, just go buy the bloody thing. Um, but it, it it is very much a case of do I like it or not, or is it everything I expected it to be from what I've read? If it is, here's the, here's my money, um, and that's uh, that does fit across a lot of areas. What I what what, what stresses me a little is that. We know that's how it works. The car manufacturers know how it works. The dealerships know how it works. But still, when I went into a Nissan dealer a, a few months ago to look at a car, he stopped and started to tell me the whole background noise that I already knew. Um, and for whatever reason, he was taught to do that, um, even
1: understanding what the client knows. Yeah. And I think, and I think that's that's that part part that is part of the new normal. So uh so i mean just to kind of finish this sort of piece of mine everything's changed but nothing's changed so nothing's changed as in i want to be able to eyeball you and shake your hand before i hand over a lot of money to you mm-hmm. nothing's changed or in fact it's gone in reverse that that people are fleeing from facebook people are fleeing from uh, YouTube and so on and so forth, because they want proper relationships, and then and then everything's changed. Because you sit in a tube train, you sit in a restaurant, and everyone's got their mobiles out, and they're yeah. and they're talking in to some other people on some other planet in some other space, and and they're failing to do this. So there's this real there's this real um, contradiction. Now most people think everything's changed, full stop. But I actually think that some of the some of the customer fundamentals if we go back to hotels or restaurants some of those, those those fundamentals about feeling important feeling cared for is vital and then when you put that into the marketing mix um it's not about buy from me buyfromme.com it's far mm-hmm. more it's far more about people like me will buy from people like me People, this, this 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 whole concept of people like us. Mm-hmm. So it's it's there's you know there's more than enough customers out there for all of us, and it makes far more sense for me to focus on the people who get me, yeah, and and to ignore the people who don't get me because the people who don't get me are never going to be happy. So. So why would I want to do business with them? But people who do get me, why don't I just focus more time having a conversation direct with them in a language that they understand?
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I completely agree with that. It's, it's Um, I know in my own business and, and a lot of businesses I work in as well. When you start to work more with that type of person and start to dis, just ignore the other type of person, your business grows. You enjoy it more. You serve better. The whole thing is self perpetuating.
1: And, and, I, and, I, and I struggle to understand. I mean, I think there's a, re, it's a this, this thing about niching is really high risk. Don't get me wrong. Uh, saying we do this and we don't do that is really really high risk. But the but the, the Benefits. If I look at my digital agency clients, the ones who are doing really, really well are are the niche ones. You know, we as a we as a consultancy now niche on digital agencies, and it's niching is and the beauty of niching is you go. I'll, let me give you a really really simple example. Uh, okay. We did two books last year. One was called Grow Your Digital Agency. Target full full number of the targets in the UK is probably about thirty thousand. Okay. okay, we've sold about fifteen thousand. So we've half okay. the people that have actually bought the book. We also and it's the only book, it was the only book at the time, mm-hmm. uh, and everyone's known for it, and I'm known for it, and as a result of the book I've been invited all around the world and it's fantastic. We we mm-hmm. I produced another book uh with a guy called Adam Harris, you might might know Adam. Yeah. And and that was called the Check in Strategy Journal, which essentially was the same argument, which is where are you now? Where are you going? How are you going to get there? What are the steps on the way? What are you going to measure? What's the journey? Uh, what is it you wanna be? What do you want to be known for? How are you gonna make that happen? What are the steps on the way? It's essentially the same thing. But it was a it was a broad based book okay. saying hello to businesses. But mm-hmm. On the one hand, you say, well, that's much better because there are 5 million businesses in the UK. You're appealing to 5 million businesses. Mm -hmm. But because it was um, competing with Stephen Covey, because it was competing with Gary Vaynerchuk, because it was competing with Seth Godin, because it was competing with all the big players in growing your business, it Mm -hmm. just got lost. It, it right. never, relatively, it never got the traction because everyone said, oh, this is kind of for us, but I could go mm. talk to one of the big boys. Whereas in my niche, there are only on the national stage in the UK, there's probably four or five people doing what I do. In the European stage, there's probably two or three. On the global stage, there's one who's my one of my best mates. Right, and right. and and what happens is you're in a small village, mm-hmm. so you get known quicker. You're in a small village, so you know more about the villagers than than they do. So you can start benchmarking. You can start specialising. One of those quotes is: "If you've got two clients in the same industry, then you've got a conflict of interests. When you've got when you got <laughs> fi- when you've got five or ten, then you're yeah. an expert. Yeah, yeah." uh so uh, one of our clients specializes, he's a digital agency specializes in lawyers only works with lawyers knows more about lawyers than any lawyer does you know the lawyers go so tell me how much should it be costing Tell us how many links to we... tell me how many visits should we be getting we've got another yeah. agency I know only works with dentists i've got a uh, and I think that 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 sense of of getting uh, uh, narrow and deep mm-hmm. Versus shallow and wide uh, can really pay dividends it uh, well, you said you said that it was a risky strategy um
0: I don't know if it is it, it cannot... well it's
1: not risky. so so let's be careful it is risky if you're dumb enough to say there's a there's there's a hole in the market hmm. where there's not a market in the hole. So if you decide, I mean, there's a whole bunch, you know, you and I know there's a bunch of people out there saying you need to write a book, you need to have a niche, you need to grow your, you need a website and then you can be yeah. and speak on the stage. You can be richer than your wildest dreams. But if your niche is babysitting 12 year old Asian girls who are into pokemon <laughs> they will they may well be a hole in that market yeah there's no but there yeah. isn't yeah. a market in that there is not a market in that hole yes yes you know yes, yes. so so i i don't like the word risky because i think what you do what we do is we're not we don't take you and i don't take risks we 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 think really carefully about before we invest our time and money in something. So it appears to be a risk and a gamble, mm-hmm. but we do the research. We, we, we test stuff. We try stuff out. We create minimum viable product yeah. before we, before we go ahead into it. So, so there may be risk attached to those kinds of strategies, but uh, especially in this day and age, you can, you can test a a niche, mm-hmm. you know, really, really quickly Uh, You can see what kind of responses there are. Uh, Google will tell you how many competitors you've got. Google will tell you how many people are looking for those particular keywords. Uh, You can see the websites and the offerings of your competitors. You you uh, You can do it really, really quickly.
0: You mentioned Simon Sinek
1: earlier, and you mentioned... Uh, here we go. Here well, we go. you can't God. you
0: can't chuck a bit of bait out like that, Rob, Did then say, I'm not uh, going to talk about
1: it. Tell me, tell me uh, your thoughts. Oh, uh, God, Simon Sinek. Um, so Simon Sinek wrote a book in about 2006, about Start With Why, mm-hmm. which was really about personal purpose and goals and stuff. Then it got taken by the corporates, and corporates loved it. Mm-hmm. Now, I know a whole bunch of agencies that I work with who've got totally screwed up searching for their purpose because they must have a purpose, and wow. what people are doing is they're mushing up this this thing about personal purpose, business purpose uh, purpose on a global stage, private purpose they're all just mushed up into the whole thing
0: mm-hmm.
1: now let's just be clear one, there is no evidence anywhere to support the assumption that uh, is put out that having a purpose makes you more profitable. There is not a shred of evidence that shows a cause and effect relationship between businesses having a purpose and them being more profitable. Yeah, lots of successful businesses have purpose, Mm -hmm. but maybe it's kind of a horse and cart thing. Maybe they're successful businesses who've just decided to have a purpose. Two, the likes of any big brand you care to mention of any big of the big top 500 have all got a purpose and they've all pulled in the big consultants and given them three million pounds to create a purpose that everyone is meant to believe in. And it's total, utter tosh. And I know too many small agency owners who spent two or three months struggling to find their purpose Mm -hmm. when actually all they're doing is we want to run a great business with great people and do really great stuff. Yeah, but that's not a purpose because we're not changing the world. We're not. We're not donating free websites to the third world. We're not saving the planet. And I just think that. Um, so I will go back to what I said earlier. Think about. The, I'll tell you what the last ten things I bought. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. I've actually I can actually go through what they were. At the airport, I bought some sandwiches. At the airport, I bought myself a biro. Uh, I bought a flight from. EasyJet. Mm-hmm. uh i bought a, a hotel room i bought um some tapas in a bar um i bought uh, a padded paper i bought and finally i bought some marker pens for the presentation i gave mm-hmm. in in not not in any of those purchases at any point did i say i wonder what the purpose of this organization is when I consider whether I should be buying their product or service or not okay the purpose doesn't come into my purchasing decision now cool have a business as a group of individuals especially if you're a small business our purpose is to change the way people buy digital agencies our purpose is to contribute 10% of profits our, our purpose is to have a very diverse thing. But that's a that works either with a small business Mm -hmm. where it's just about us and our personal thing or and of course it works with charities large or small. We're here to make the the lives of famine uh, affected children better, but. The idea that we have to have a purpose is just, just Lord, give me strength. Do you know, oh, it's, I, I,
0: it's a refreshing view to hear. I, I, I've, I remember having a conversation a few years ago about this where someone said, what's the purpose of your business? And my, I said, the purpose of my business is to keep me and my family fed and sheltered and to help other people make more money. And yeah. they said, that's not a purpose. <laughs> that's why I've been business. So I I enjoy what I do. I love it. Otherwise, I wouldn't do it. I've, I've you know, I've chopped and changed. I was an accountant. Then I was a recruiter. I've done a few different things. Um, I'm drawing my experience together into things that I love to do. What's my purpose? That's my purpose.
1: Well, well your purpose is quite, I would argue, your purpose is a relatively private thing. Because if I come and I want to buy buy from you, what am I interested in? I'm interested in. Can you help my business be more effective? If I give you if I give you a thousand pounds, will you give me three thousand pounds on my bottom line? Am I interested in how you do that? Not drastically. You know, when when you've got a really bad back, you know, you'll go you'll go and see anyone who can fix your back. What I what I what I what I want as a as a customer is I want the not the not the features mm-hmm. of what you of what you sell, but the benefits of what you sell. And in fact, I don't even want the benefits, I want the benefits of the benefits. Yeah. And and I think we just get too fixated with, of the benefit, with yeah. people. Yeah. You know, and actually we're back actually we're back to your conversation about the car dealership that sells features that we know already. You know, what I'm I'm not buying I'm not buying double overhead gang mm-hmm. shaft triple circumvented engine i'm uh, i'm buying something that makes me feel my children are safe when i drive and i think we forget that
0: yeah i think that that we really do even when i when i'm doing some very basic intro sales training we talk about purpose well, sorry purpose. We, you put that word in my head ah! we, we, we talk about the benefit of the benefit you know what's the benefit of a fireplace yeah. the house why cars have abs all that sort of stuff and people struggle with it you think come on really we all know this. It's in our it's in our hearts. We just have to actually bring it to the forefront. I mean, the thing that wound me up the most about that car thing was that actually the only reason I went to the dealership was that I needed to see how much legroom there was in the back of that car. Because on no website and nowhere at all could I find that dynamic in each of the different models that were the same. And so when I walked through the door and said, look, before you start with me, all I want to see is how much legroom is in the back of this car. And they disregarded it everywhere, including Mercedes. and made me have a cup of coffee before they let me see a car. <laughs> um, I didn't want to see it. I just wanted to measure it. Yeah. Um, and if it fitted my criteria, which was my children are big and they're growing, then uh, and it's, if it's bigger than what I've got now, otherwise I'll kick the car I've got now. But, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a very... It's it's a fun world to talk around. Um, I, I love your views on purpose. I think it's about time someone had a different view and didn't pander. Um, you work with a lot of younger people, and I'm saying that as a, as a grey-haired, uh, nearly 50-year-old man. <laughs> um, and a lot of people talk about, you know, attracting the right kind of people to your business. So I talk about it a lot. Um, but then how are those people looking for businesses who have a more altruistic stance? Do you think they really do? Or is that just something that, uh, that's, you know, fits into a, a, you know, a narrative at the moment?
1: Well, do people look for more altruistic businesses? Do they look for businesses which, well, yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, I think, yeah, you're leaving aside my minor rant. Mm-hmm. um, you can see by the sheer volume of vegan food which has appeared from nowhere. Uh, everyone now does it, and they're kind of responding to a a more. We're back to this thing about everything's changed, nothing's changed, really. Uh, but people are, are people want to be. We we get lost by being a number because we're everything gets commoditized and we want some individuality so so if i can you know in all honesty if i can i would rather i'd rather buy my electricity from a from a regional supplier i'd rather i'd rather um work with someone who's who's about more than just the money Mm -hmm. uh that's my choice but that may well be a first world luxury issue you know I may prefer to buy Tom's shoes because I know Tom's give for every shoe pair of shoes I buy they give a, a pair to charity mm-hmm. um, and I think more and more people more and more younger people are saying I'd like some choice and I don't just want to be part of this nasty horrible capitalist system but I do actually think that they're I guess they're conflicted because they don't mind using a bloody Apple phone which has got titanium and zinc and all kinds of weird stuff in it where kids have been exploited in order to you know, find the rare commodities Mm -hmm. that go into making the phone. They kind of blank all that stuff out. If they were really cared about workers' rights and so on and so forth, they wouldn't be using mobile phones. So there's a kind of a... It's a bit like... Uh, it's a bit like there's a, a, a not a whitewashing, but a greenwashing going on. You know, we mm-hmm. feel we feel, oh, uh, I'm a really good person because I keep I save my plastic bags or I only use paper bags when I go to Waitrose And the problem's kind of much bigger than that, um, but they feel they're they're delivering on that small point. Oh my, I've got to be really careful about my um, my, my my footprint or on pollution. While thinking it's cool to fly to San Diego, you go for a conference. Um, so I think we're quite confused and conflicted. We—that I guess that's where I am on that.
0: That—that uh, we'll get into a whole different can of worms. There, I remember in a similar vein having a conversation with an uncle of mine who was who was a very very wealthy man, but he, and he drove a, a big Daimler. Um, but he was, a, he was a, a socialist, a very staunch socialist. And I said to him, how is that possible? You can live in this enormous house and drive this beautiful car. And he said, because I wish everyone had them. Mm. Um, you know, and I thought, okay, <laughs> that's a, an interesting way of putting it. You know, if we, I, I, I want to go to Barbados, but I don't want to do this. I think there's there's a lot to be done. Um, there's a long, long way to go with how we how we treat our planet. I think the small wins are good things. Um but you are right. There is a, yeah. there is
1: a first world issue around. But if you but if you go back to the original original point of point of the, of the question, which is, yeah, uh, I, I mean, I personally, it's not everyone's choice, but my preference is to buy locally. My preference is to buy from local restaurants. So I run mastermind groups in Bath every month, mm-hmm. and we try to only go out for meals in privately run, locally owned locally owned restaurants and it's quite it's quite difficult because why would we want to give money to some chain which is based in london or wherever it is employing people at basic wage when we could actually keep the money in the local economy so i think i think for it is very attractive for a lot of people for them to be able to feel that they're buying from a inverted commas, a local business, a purpose driven thing where, where the money isn't just going into some tax haven or somewhere. But mm-hmm. it's it's not everything. And I think you just need to to just think about, you know, just write a list of the last twenty things you bought and how many of those really were I mean some for some people it's loads. They buy their vegetables at the greengrocer, they buy their you know, they, they walk to the, the coffee shop, the coffee shop blah 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 but but I kind of Um, I think we also like the cheap, cheap, cheapness of something being commoditized because it's the Hilton chain or because it's the, it's Google or Facebook or YouTube or LinkedIn. So a bit of cake and eating going on. Is the greatest threat technology? Okay, question. Is the greatest threat technology? Netflix didn't kill Blockbuster. It was ridiculous late fees did. Did uber kill the taxi business no limited access did did apple kill the music industry no full-length albums did did amazon kill the retail industry no poor customer service did let's just be let's just be clear that there's kind of two things going on which is you know airbnb booking.com hotels.com trafago technology by itself is not the biggest disruptor the biggest disruptor in my mind is that is that people are Mm -hmm. not customer centric that they they forgot to listen to the customer. Yeah. You know, Nineteen sixty one Theodore Levitt wrote the paper called Marketing Myopia. Mm-hmm. Okay. In Marketing Myopia, he's he says that yeah, he says, you yeah, know, the trouble is that all businesses think they're about selling stuff. You know, and if your if your solution is a hammer, all problems are mm-hmm. gonna be nails. Uh and people don't people don't buy drill bits, they dry, they buy the holes the jewel bits make, so that they can put a screw into it, and so on and so forth. But I think that, I think that's just really, really important to to understand the that the, it's the custom. You know, it's this not being customer centric, which is the problem. Uh, everything and nothing has changed, and 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 and, 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 and you know, customers let's just go through it they want to be more informed they're more demanding they're more impatient they want to go they want to do they want to buy they want to get more they want to do more and they want that to be frictionless and as long as as long as that's how customers mm-hmm. are behaving you know as suppliers we need to make a response our, our
0: job is to serve the customer um in the way that works best for them and makes the most profit as a result
1: yeah but 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 what's happened in this blinking world of google ads and so on and so forth everyone has become preoccupied with tactics you know and this is the point that levitt made in 1961 you know okay and nothing's changed because now everyone's preoccupied with if i do a blog if i do a podcast if i do facebook live if i have if i have you know google ads if i have uh, google my business um and it's all tactics. And you go, oh, yeah, of course, it's not about tactics. It's about bigger. It's about the strategy. And you go, yeah, it's about strategy. No, it's not about the strategy. It's about the customer and understanding. So what was Levitt's big thing was customers, well, the whole thing about a business is about two things, which is segmentation and differentiation. 1961, segmentation and differentiation. You segment your customer into groups of similar-minded people who make decisions in similar ways about similar things, segmentation and differentiation. You are different from the competition because of what you do or how you do or when you do or where you do. And segmentation and differentiation, marketing 101, day one (laughs) of your marketing course at university, segmentation and differentiation is how we as business owners separate ourselves out for the customer and against the competition so that we can actually deliver and we can actually run successful businesses. Robert,
0: you've given us so much to think about. Thank you so, so much. Before we wind up, though, I'd love you to leave us with the one thing, the big nugget, the golden nugget, whatever you'd like to say that would help businesses be better today and better in the years to come. What would that be? Oh, I'll,
1: go for, I'll go for a controversial one. Uh, put your prices up. Why, why put your prices up? Uh, if if you've got a thirty percent gross margin, so you buy for ten, sell for seven, it's three pound profit. If you put your prices up by ten percent, you will lose customers. But the customers you lose are the pond life and scum. The customers you lose are the ones who don't get the value. The customers you lose who don't understand the value that you add. More importantly, you 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 will you can afford to lose up to twenty five percent of your customers and still get the same amount of money in your in, in your In your back pocket. So you were working Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You now only need to work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and a bit of Thursday. So you spend the rest of the time adding more value. And you're still saying to me, "Yeah, but we're in Scunthorpe, we're in Birmingham. We've got to put our prices down to be more competitive." If you put your prices down ten percent, seven pound, three pound profit. Price down by ten percent. You need to find fifty percent more customers just to stay in the same place. So. You were working Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You now need to work another two and a half days just to stay in the same place. More importantly, you attract pond life and scum who are buying on price, who are not loyal, who will flit and change, and they won't help you. 99.5% of businesses I come across need to, must put their prices up so they have self-respect, so they don't feel like a whore or a prostitute, so that they can do great work, so that they can uh, afford deliver awesome value to their customers so fantastic robert thank you so so much absolute pleasure thank you very much myself
0: i hope you really enjoyed this episode of the only one business show and i look forward to sharing your company again very soon if you'd like to subscribe please do so wherever you pick up your podcasts and in the meantime have a great day bye for now